Well, kia ora tato. In this discussion, I am talking with Elise Lysett. Uh, Elise is a former UC engineering student who, during her final year of study, started the Māori and Engineering podcast. Uh, and it's a podcast dedicated to supporting Māori and te ao Māori or Māori worldview within the engineering world. But the more I listened to her podcast, the more I saw more and more of the content and the context uh, being important to the business world as well and being important to life in Aotearoa New Zealand. Um, so in this discussion, even though she is not someone of a business background, not someone of a marketing background, but truly understands the importance of bringing Te Ao Māori or Māori worldview into uh, her life and doing that authentically and uh, trying to find ways that that could be culturally safe, doing ways that we can do this uh, um, respectfully and authentically uh, and not tokenistically. So we talk about a bunch of things that can be done there, uh, but also a starting point to understand your identity and your place in the world. When you start to want to authentically incorporate Tao Māori uh, and the things that the, uh, she talks about. Now, she uses uh, a lot of te reo Māori and, and, uh, casually in her discussion. Uh, in India, when you mix up Hindi and English, we call it Hinglish. And I did ask her afterwards if there was a Tereo Māori equivalent, and she doesn't think there is right now. But I think that's not only a, a beautiful part of uh, her own journey, learning more of her language, uh, but also a beautiful part of what's happening in New Zealand, and that more and more people are casually using Tereo Māori, whether it's just kia ora or morena when you greet someone, um, but also things like kupu, which is the Tereo Māori f- uh, word for word. Uh, so as you develop your words, you are developing and learning more kupu. Uh, kopapa to understand the agenda. Um, kōrero, to uh, say we're having a chat or a discussion. Let's, uh, when you start talking about the kopapa of the kōrero, what is the agenda, what is the purpose for this chat? All these sorts of words start weaving through. So if at any point you don't understand some of the words being used, then, uh, then let me know and I'll see if I can get a proper translation for you. Uh, but this is all part of my own journey in learning the language as well, trying to understand Te Reo Māori and learn more of it over the last couple of years and her own as she started over the next couple of, last couple of years. So hopefully you enjoy this quick kōrero with Elise and you learn something and some of what she talks about in the engineering world resonates with the work that you're doing within the business world. So kia ora tato, welcome back, and as you know, my name is Akant Veer, and today I'm talking with Elise Lysett. Uh, Elise is a former engineering student at UC and about to start with WSP up in Wellington, uh, and she's also the founder of the Marian Engineering Podcast, and that's kind of why I wanted to have a chat with her. As many of you know by now, I'm doing this podcast just to talk with people that I think are cool rather than anything <laughs> else, and this is my opportunity or excuse to talk. But the podcast really speaks to the role that Marian play within engineering, but as I was listening to it, myself I'm like this is not just engineering issues these are business issues as well and the sort of things you bring in so even though the context might be engineering the content was very much something I think everyone can learn from so I really wanted to kind of pick your brains a bit more over the next few minutes and hear a bit more about your heart uh, about that um, the podcast if those of you who haven't come across it uh, seeks to build a space to inspire Māori engineering students and engineers to see how they're navigating that space between what they're doing to see more Te Ao Māori in their work. Uh, and at least you recently won the Te Puhotanga Te Oteawaipunamu Youth Award for Rangatahi Māori uh, as part of the Canterbury Youth Award. So congratulations on that as well. <laughs> and so uh, really cool to not only just see the, the mahi you've been doing and the work you've been doing, but also seeing that Nice. So uh, I know it is uh, Tika as part of your podcast that we start with Karakia. So I offered to start with and close with Karakia. So we'll start that way 
and then I'll let you introduce yourself. So, uh, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, as I always like to start, just a time of whakawhanaungatanga, just mm. getting to know you. Tell me a bit more about yourself, your background, kind of what drew you into engineering in particular, I guess. Hi, uh, kia ora. I can't thank you very much for having me on this podca- uh, podcast, Kaupapa. Very, yeah, privileged to be here and being able to be on my soapbox and talk about things that I'm really, really passionate in. So, ngam hi kia koe. Ai, koe o, ko maua o te maunga, ko te awa nui te awa, ko mātātua rawa, ko takitimi oku waka, ko naitarangi rawa, ko naitarangi nui oku iwi, ko nāti hangarau tōku hapu, ko hangarau rawa, ko rangi waia oku marai, no hakatiri ahau, uh, ki oto tahi ahau i noho ana, ko Elise Lasa tōku ingoa. No reira, tēnā tātou katoa. Um, ai, so in my pepeha, I um, expressed and said that I am from Tauranga Moana, um, so I hail from there, Ngāitarangi, and Ngāitarangi nui a mai iwi. Ngāti Hangaro is one of my hapu, still kind of venturing and exploring um, others that are apparent um, in our whānau connections, which is really exciting. Um, um, Hangaro and Rangiwaia are my marae, both yeah, up in Tauranga. Um, my granddad's buried in Hangaro and my auntie is buried in Rangiwaia, so they were recently buried there, so feel very connected there. Mm. Um, I grew up in Hakatiri Ashburton, so an hour down the road. Went to Ashburton High School there, Ashburton College there, then came here to Ōtautahi to study, like you said, engineering, um, just finished natural resource engineering and the Diploma of Global Humanitarian Engineering. And I now have made Ōtautahi my home, and yeah, like you said, going to Pornaki, Wellington this Saturday, so it's currently Monday, <laughs> Monday, yeah, life leaving is, very soon. So, <laughs> very and life exciting. is becoming very different in a few few days' time for you. So, very much so. And, and it's, it seems like it's this universal thread through your podcast with the people you speak to. It doesn't matter whether they're just starting as students or whether they're established engineers. Um, a lot of them said, oh, yeah, I didn't even know what engineering was when I was at high school. Mm. So was that the same for you? Did you always know engineering was something you wanted to do or how did you fall into that sort of space? Absolutely. So I actually, um, funny, last time I was up in a level that was more than level one here in Mirimiri was when I was coming to look at doing Bachelor of Commerce. So for accounting and looking at someone here in the business school. So always thought I'd do accounting just because I really liked my accounting teacher as well. So I think partly it was mainly because of that. Um, And I really liked numbers and I didn't quite know how to place that. So I thought accounting was the kind of natural direction. Mm. My dad always wanted me to be an accountant. And then a week before we had to decide um, halls, I think it was, so that really defined where we would be going. my physics teacher was kind of suggested engineering to me during a, te- a teacher interview, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Never really thought of it before. He studied uh, he studied engineering mm. in his undergrad, um, and yeah, kind of looked in it from there. Really loved the idea that you could apply maths um, and also physics. I really liked. Sure. Was never really good at it, but I liked it, sure. um, and really loved understanding of how things worked and why things work the way mm. they do. Um, and engineering was yeah, really good fit for that. So kind of looked at that and off I went and here I am kind of still in disbelief that it's actually finished and they've actually done it. Four years later and so we could have had 
Mardian accounting podcast <laughs> exactly. missed a complete trick. You know? yeah, yeah. Um, and and so the, it's a four-year program that you did uh, mm-hmm. with the engineering. Um, and it was really in your fourth year, wasn't it? Your final year that you kind of picked up this Mardian engineering podcast. And it's really taken off in a huge, huge way, not just on campus, but also beyond um uh, this area and it's a bit of it is obviously that you've done great with the social marketing and with the social media stuff so obviously in, of interest to me as a marketing um, professor but um, what else do you think kind of drew you to not only start this but what is drawing people to listen to this? I of course um, so what drew me to start it start there um, I grew up very Teopakia when I got to university I yeah barely knew a word of Māori Mm. Um, and yeah still learning and still on that journey myself Um, and then in 2019 so my second year of university I was selected for a kaupapa called Tuia and that was that's through the Merrill Task Force for Jobs so kind of government um, sort of yeah pathway to develop the leadership potential of Māori so Mm. every um, mayor from different districts around the um, the Motu selected Rangatahi Māori and I was that fresh burden so pure like yeah a lot of luck there that I was selected um and that was through Donna Favel mayor at the time and that was going away on a different wānanga so a different kind of hui for the weekend at Marae um every four to six weeks lots of different places around the Motu so that was my first real exposure of te ao Māori mm. and me going in the physical sense and that was like insane like mind-boggling of the most mind-boggling I kind of had this intention for the year to just do the shit that scares you and that was my thing that really really scared me um yeah so that was kind of an ignition point for me there and then my year after that in third year so I was like okay I want to do something with this I've kind of had a light bulb moment of this is the life I really Mm. want to lead didn't quite know how to tangibly do that um in my day-to-day so I enrolled in night school for Te Reo Māori because I thought if I unlock the language then there's so many other parts that will unlock from there. So I applied or enrolled with Te Wānanga or Aotearoa in Te Reo Māori there. Um, loved that and just to have a space every weeknight to go be embraced in Te Reo Māori, mm. Te Reo Māori was really like enlightening, really elating, really... Yeah, it just really kept me going um, throughout engineering. And I was like, okay, how can I intertwine this part of me with the engineering side? So then going timeline-based, um, in fourth year, at the start of it, I um, completed or was doing my second year of EngMe mentoring. Mm. Um, so that's mentoring first-year students, um, and I was the mentor for Māori students. So saw that there was a bit of um, lack of engagement there of people coming to these mentoring sessions and getting like the tuition help and things like that. And the kaiara he um yeah informed me of the really awful um rates of failure or mm. dropout within Māori students for first year engineering so when you're coming like four years is a long time so yes. every year when you've got those rates of dropout or finishing for whatever reason um by the end of it you're going to have bugger or Māori in the industry basically so I was like, okay what do we do there um I couldn't really see anyone who I knew in my kind of close circles. And I say that just like, it was also me not going venturing too mm. far, but I couldn't see um, Māori within the industry that I could look up to at, at that time. Not saying that there wasn't any, I just didn't, didn't see, see them at the time, yeah. Yeah, so there wasn't, I couldn't find an accessible platform or a space to do that. So with that, I thought to do like an event, a one-off event, mm. um, and thinking about how a first-year me would 
like wouldn't feel too comfortable would feel a bit fucking mad about going to an event for Māori engineering I was mm. like okay maybe this isn't the best avenue to do it thought about a podcast I love podcasts <laughs> thought those kind of two things came together um it was actually my mate who suggested a podcast so I can't take full responsibility there um Francesco so yeah he kind of suggested it and it's gone from there so yes so that's kind of how it created and yeah all those sort of bits came together and you you mentioned really briefly that the the two-year program was mm. like the scariest thing you you had thought of at the time and a lot of people kind of go you know that that search or that drive to understand their own identity should be an enlightening enriching experience but for you it's, uh, it was it was a pretty scary thing unpick that a little bit you know what what for you made it was it both you know cool but scary or mm. was it just totally oh my god i have no idea what's going on here um i think yeah it was cool but scary it was the scary thing came first and the cool Mm. thing came um and more so because i never really felt maori enough um and i've kind of harped on a lot about that for people Mm. i talked to and um kind of touched on it a bit in the podcast and that was i'm a very fear-facing maori person so i always got kind of comments of like oh are you maori and i was like yes through my i'm 16 percent or however many percent or what whatever percent um and then through this two-year kopapa, I learned that like yeah, just because you, even if you have a drop of Māori blood mm-hmm. within you, you are Māori. And I was like, oh my goodness, that was a light bulb moment to mm. me. Um, so yeah, it was really scary because I never really felt enough within that space. Um, mm. There were people there who had grew up with kura kopapa Māori and grew up listening to the corridor of the elders, mm. um, of the nannies on the marae and things like that. And I didn't have that. I grew up partly in Vietnam so I was physically disconnected as well as down Nashburden where yeah very Tiao Park here so just different um yeah different upbringing um to yeah then that made me feel like a very um foreign within that space sure. at that time and then yeah so I had to really step into my Maori tanga within that yeah and how do you feel now I mean it's been a couple of years going through this program and then embracing mm. this co-papa uh, again, you know, this whole blood quantum thing is yeah. is, is usually described as the, a tool of the oppressor. Well, are you Māori enough? Do you have mm. enough blood sort of thing? But the idea that you are Māori or you're not Māori, it's, there's, there's no percentage-wise. But do you feel more Māori as a result? Do you feel more comfortable in your skin? Mm. Um, yeah, I definitely feel more Māori. Um, I have been, even like two months ago, I was doing something and... A person was like, "Oh, are you Maori? Like, you don't look Maori." And I think I was having just like a real like weak day, and I came home like in tears, and I was like, "Oh, it still gets me." Um, and I think that's okay as well. Yeah. There are people who even are very like kind of loud and proud to be Maori. They're still gonna get those kind of niggle points. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think being able to acknowledge that and reacting, or what you how you react to something like that afterwards, you don't let it kind of shun you away a little bit. Kind yeah. of still standing strong, leaning on the people around you if you need to do that. Um, yeah, I think it's still very much a thing, but it's less of a thing. So, well, and I'm glad it's less of a thing because, like, I think it was for my 40th birthday present. My, Or maybe it was 40th when my wife and I were both turning 40. Mm. We got each other um, DNA tests mm. because a lot of it was just curiosity. But also I was kind of sick of people saying, are you sure you're Indian? Yeah, you don't look Indian, you don't sound Indian. I'm like... I'm pretty sure. And I was really scared that I was going to get this DNA result back. This has half Indian, half milkman. And my, my mum had just been naughty or something. Like that. No, it ended up being, I mean, ridiculously boring. 99.3% Indian, you know, and North yep. Indian sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So genetically couldn't be more Indian. Mm. 
but you still always question your identity because are you am I Indian enough because I don't have the language as well as I should I don't have the culture as well and so you've done this reasonably late in life as, mm. as someone in I guess in their 20s when you mm. started this journey how has that uh, has it been have you been embraced in this has there been still some pushback or has it been reasonably okay to embark on this journey yeah I am um... There has been, yeah, a lot of embrace. I think a lot of um, intention needed. Mm. Um, I'm just really lucky and fortunate that people around me are really, really supportive of that. Um, For likes of my mum, she's, yeah, she's very much like never, also she um, didn't grow up in Te Ao Māori either. Mm. And she's now learning every, like, every day Māori kupu or kupu Māori. And that's like amazing. Awesome. And I think seeing that really inspires me. Um, and for me, yeah, I'm just excited. I think now that I'm in a place that I can do things with intention and resources as well, makes it a lot, yeah, a lot more worthwhile too. Yeah. <laughs> so this award you won recently with regards to uh, the Canterbury Youth Awards, mm. uh, it was only really announced, what, about three, four months ago, I think, mm. or something like that? It was reasonably yeah, recently. November. November. Tell me more about... Um, that award tell me mm. more about what you think resonated so well with the judges especially as someone who is early in their journey with this and and what what you think others can take from this as well i um yeah that award was like very very humbled by it very yeah um very unexpected and yeah very grateful for it i think that I've been really, really open and honest about my own journey and I can just hope that that resonates with um, the rangatahi within mm. Waitaha where it was acknowledged and hope it, yeah, was it that was recognised by the judges. Because um, what I'm doing isn't isn't rocket science, it's just making things accessible and sharing kōrero, which is why I'm so, yeah, chuffed to be on here because it's, yeah, you're doing the exact same. Um, and it's kind of just having the conversations that people are, or myself interested in mm. and I'm just lucky that other people are interested in it as well but I think there's real value in understanding and storytelling and sure. understanding people's lives and their upbringings and their backgrounds and why they are or how they've come to be the people that they are so I guess yeah the people who um, recognised me for that award saw that as well mm. um, and yeah it's just for anyone the information on the podcast is just for anyone to consume and this drive of getting more Māori into engineering I'm just glad it's getting recognised and it's not just people think engineering's a drag or engineering's boring so I'm just sure. yeah chuffed for that too sure and and this kind of leads into my next sort of line of questioning mm. there's the um I've been in enough business meetings where there is either a kaiārahi or a guide or there's someone who is Māori and almost like universally the room turns and says, what is the answer to this from a Te Māori perspective? Just because either the person is Māori or they are there as a kaiārahi. But so many Māori I speak to, like, I can only give you my perspective. I mm. cannot speak for all Māori. But what your podcast is able to do is to pick up that plurality of thought and say, well, this is my perspective. And so you can kind of learn from that. And so that's why I think as well it's become useful mm. for people to, to learn from, especially not just from engineering because of the context, but also just the wider, higher themes that come through this uh, as a result. Maybe that's why it resonates so well with a wide audience as well. Mm. And someone who is early in their own journey but embracing it fully has, I think, empowers a lot of people who maybe 
like you say, feel fakama about going down that journey on their own identity, whether it is their Māori identity or whatever identity that might be. Mm, tika, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so what hooked me into your podcast initially was not only that I needed something I needed something to listen to while I, I run. I am a very <laughs> slow runner, and so I need a long podcast. So this this was good while I was running around Hornby sort of thing. Um, but also that first interview you did um, with, with Troy Brockbank. Um, just a beautifully eloquent young man speaking about uh, his journey as being a, a Māori person in, uh, in engineering. But there's one statement I think he made in either his first or his second podcast with you, which really resonated with me, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he really talked about all the metrics um, around Māori engagement are about getting more Māori recruited or retained mm. into engineering or into university, and not about how do we empower Māori to be Māori in engineering. Uh, and almost his the feeling is that if you make it through the first four years of study or if you make it through the first four years of engineering and you're Māori, you almost need to strip that Māori part of way from you to, to s- survive. But he's trying to talk about embracing that as part mm-hmm. of, of the work. And so I wanted to, to see if you can unpick that with regards to the people you've spoken to and what are the sort of themes that come out? How do we, how do we encourage and empower more the are Māori in the business world, in the engineering world and the sort of things that came from there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, oh, multiple, multiple kind of avenues to go yeah. down. Um, I think what I would really love to see as I go into industry and even here at university, what I've found, the spaces that I'm drawn to are places where people intentionally um, enable it to be culturally safe. Mm. And so I kind of liken it to when you go into a restaurant, you're like, yep, cool. I'm, I've got, I'm here, a bummer's on a seat. And if we're starting... Um, and if a kind of a restaurant doesn't recognise it of bums on seats or recognise the value of bums on seats, they recognise it of how well that service was on like TripAdvisor or something. Mm. And that's kind of what makes you go back and makes you feel sustained and makes you like really thrive, I don't know, within that environment of a restaurant, say. For an example. So the same can be kind of yeah, related to university or the industry where where someone's gonna be sustained when a place is culturally safe, where something is um and yeah. And when I say culturally safe, it's like unleashing the potential of that person who was Māori within that. Um, and you can also kind of think of it as, due to uh, historic, um, the history here in Aotearoa, because of what's happened, what happened in the couple of generations ago where Te Reo Māori was stripped, um, that's kind of how I am the way I am as well. And that sort of thing, my granddad was um, beat up for speaking Te Reo Māori, um, and that's kind of come fed through. So because of that, there's going to be people who are Māori on all these different types of levels mm. of where they are in their journey or all those different um, stages. So just because you've got someone who is Māori within the industry doesn't mean that, yeah, like you said, they know everything and they're also only one perspective as well. So creating places there are culturally safe, embracing te ao Māori. Um, and for the likes of engineering, I also think... Um, to think of like a business perspective it's almost like efficient um to um look at engineering from a te Māori perspective you can only i read an article yesterday where um when we look at water safety and water health and safety um with all the deaths that we've had in the water um this summer alone Māori place names um there's a place up north called ahimate which translates lucy to calm death mm. so I wouldn't want to be swimming in there. And if we looked at that from a Te Māori perspective, then maybe the more people wouldn't want to be swimming in there translating to better outcomes for society in that place sure. altogether. So that's just a small way that we can look at things from a Te Māori perspective 
And that'll only happen when we embrace Te Māori and create that culturally safe space for people who have that knowledge to come forward and, you know, get unleash their potential again. Mm. So, yeah. And I wonder if there's there's elements of things like what are typically seen as, as Māori values mm. but can be universally beneficial mm. you know, and, and effective and efficient. You know, the idea of, well, build a relationship first before you do work together. Build that level of trust together and, and make sure you maintain that. Um, I know some of the, the the people you spoke to said, yeah, they've they've gone in and they said this is taking too long. We're just going to move ahead without them. This idea that no, mm. building that relationship can sometimes take time, but then it's it's enduring. It is yep. it, you are part of the family now, and so as long as it's done in good faith, um, things can be done well that way. Mm. And so we do come across that in the business world a lot. This issue of, well, this is taking too long. Can we move <laughs> on without? But that can then divide us rather than bring us together, mm. you know what I mean, when we don't see that perspective. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. And even um, kind of, yeah, thinking on that same, for Kaoru, um, in terms of being a good ancestor, it's mm. going to, coming from a natural resource engineering perspective, when we're looking at things like climate change, you want to be a good ancestor, you want to leave the environment better than you found it, passing it on to future generations to come. That is intrinsically a Māori value of being a good ancestor. So if we relate that to engineering and the engineering landscape, then that can only mean good. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, I get this question a lot in my classes, and I should remind people that I'm not Māori myself. Uh, You know, I I see myself as someone who's learning in this area. Um, But people are like, why should we care? Why Mm. should we care about what Māori think? They're less than 15% of the population. And I have to remind people, people like things like Naitahu are over a billion dollar um, enterprise. This is a large organization for New Zealand. Um, Yes, there's 15% population, but we are treaty partners mm. we 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 have founded this country on a partnership um mm. and and working together to, for the best of the entire nation sort of mm. thing what are the sort of thing do you do you come across that in engineering as well is this worth doing and uh, do you think stuff would translate more broadly as a result yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i definitely get this a lot i purposely put myself in spaces within engineering that um, we're trying to embrace Te Māori in terms of what they had in their papers and things like that. But then I also had projects where a section you had to write about, um, I can't even remember, Mātauranga Māori mm. approach to things and things like that. And I would kind of be like, I would be put to that section and not to the other sections. And I was like, oh, okay, why don't you guys look at it? It's like, well, I don't know about it. so And you know about it, so why should I care about it kind of thing? And I think... That's a very dangerous way to look at things because if they are going into the industry without or with having that same like kind of bachelor saying that they've got the cultural competency, but other people are looking at it. Um, yeah, it's a very a lot of the time people are like, well, why? Yeah, why do I hear about it? And I think it's a there's a fakatoki of um, I think it's kahai ka um, which is looking back to look forward. Mm. So. That's why we should care about it. Mm-hmm. As we're looking forward, we need to look back on the past. Yeah, again, the history of the of the country, of the social inequities that have caused by things like dishonourment of or not honouring Te Tiriti or Waitangi, and that's why we need to care about it. Sure. But I think a lot of the time, yeah, that's not a priority to think about. Um, and as Māori, it is our priority. Mm-hmm. So, kind of, there's an imbalance there. I think for sure, for sure. Sounds pretty culturally unsafe when you're calling this stuff out and putting yourself in these places. How, how do you how do you feel safe then? How do you? I mean, obviously you've you've empowered yourself over mm. the last few years on your own journey, and 
um, you, you, uh, the, the phrase you use is unleashing your, the potential that, uh, to be Māori or within you. Uh, do you do you feel unsafe at times, or do you do you have ways of making sure you stay safe in these spaces, or have people learned to s- kind of not mess with you? Therefore, <laughs> um, unfortunately, no. <laughs> unfortunately, people have not learned that, um, and that's okay. I think um, I really lean on, or yeah, I really look to other people within my circles for strength a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I don't know, maybe it's just that's the type of person I am, but I really yeah, draw strength from other people. It is a lot of like personal empowerment, personal belief, um, but I'm yeah particularly hard on myself. So when I'm in spaces where, yeah, it is a bit culturally unsafe, people are like, I don't want to do a karakia. And it's like, okay. And then it yeah depends on other people in the room. It also depends on my age. I've been in a lot of um, places and spaces where... I am the youngest by many years Mm. Um, and there's that still kind of imbalance there that they seem to have the power there Um, but I think I'm slowly learning to be very kind of assertive and be like just because I'm however young 20s and 22 um, I still have every right to be in this room than you do so we need to either have a conversation of why what you said wasn't right Mm. or I also yeah have learned to kind of speak up for myself a lot more as well. So it's a lot of um, gritting the teeth and just doing it kind of thing. Um, and it's not easy. And it's, yeah, definitely I've been in spaces where I very much almost, yeah, leave, feel like I've left my identity at the door just because it's the easiest way to do mm-hmm. it. And that's why I'm really passionate about Kaupapa like this, Kaupapa like the podcast and modern engineering, because it's creating that conversation of you don't need to do that and sure. we shouldn't be doing that. Sure. So a couple of things I want to pick up on. I've got to remember this myself. So um, that intersectionality of young, female, Māori uh, and almost taken for granted or, or ignored uh, is mm. is a powerful one. It must be a difficult one as well. And the other area, the other line of thinking, I was like, do you, do you come across any uh, feelings of tokenism sometimes? Like tokenistically, we've got Elise in here. Mm. If she's okay with it, we must be fine. Let's not let's play lip service this do we see still a lot of tokenism in this area or Mm, i think so i think um really 50 50 like it's not i'm not going to say everything's really really crap and i'm not going to say everything's really really amazing i think it's yeah different spaces are different um but i think yeah there's a lot of tokenism because we do see that metric of we've got this person on this committee this board this group whatever um, and we still, yeah, see that as success. And I mm. think when that conversation changes, what does success look like in terms of outcomes, what we're actually doing rather than, yeah, the lead up into that and who's sitting on our group, mm. then that, that'll change. That tokenism, I think, will change a lot more as well. Um, yeah, so it's definitely definitely still a thing, um, but it's getting better. So, yeah. And one thing, and this is just a very recent story, I heard of um, a, a committee where there was one Māori person and mm. they were there to represent the views of Māori within this organization and the, they were talking about the composition of a new committee and um, they, the comment was there's too many people of Māori and Pacific heritage to be on that committee and why should they be and everything and and effectively it would have been great to be able to I wasn't in this meeting but it would have been great to be able to say well the fact that you've got eight people now bullying one Māori person to justify their existence is exactly why we need cohorts there. Mm. We need to have more people there. Do you think that would help with cultural safety, having larger numbers? or And how do you do that with this idea of, wait, why should we have that? What is yeah. the justification? Yeah, I um, 
definitely think so. I think more than Mary <laughs> when we talk about things like, I don't know, yeah, like Three Waters Reform, for example. Mm. I think, yeah, how the iwi voice within that is great because it's not, yeah, it's not just one person. They've got a, the support from the people around them. So I think when, um, yeah, when you've got boards like that with more than one, then that draws strength. You've got double the strength within that, what that person is saying. And it's also coming back to, yeah, like you said, that one Māori person can only have their own one perspective. So when you've got two mm. perspectives and acknowledging and understanding that that's not the whole perspective, that's just two that you've got, um, then I think that's going to create a better outcome in general. Um, I think a conversation when we lead to that is um, in terms of resources and time, um, the value of time within that, because it's when you kind of enter within the space, it's really awesome to sit on lots of different boards and everything, but you've only got so much time as well to give to Kaupapa. So it's also kind of acknowledging that and understanding that I think will be a future um, conversation as well. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. The, and the kaiara here on, on campus here, this must have been a year or two ago, I think, they launched the Takare program, mm. which is to try and get a, a cohort of young Māori and Pacific students together spend I think it's like six weeks mm. together before the semester starts just to kind of uh, be almost like a preparatory bridge into university but also building that cohort building that field so you might all end up in six or seven different schools around the university but you can always spot each other you can always feel like there's that um, and I forget the name of it but there's a similar program for engineering students at Auckland of Māori um, background as well uh, so, Spies Spies that's yeah. right I was thinking I thought it started with P but no Spies yeah. that's right um, <laughs> Specs as well Specs so, and... so Spies I think is one at um, UI. yeah yeah and so uh, do you do you think there's going to be a time where we're going to have enough Māori engineering students that we can have a spies equivalent? Do we have a spies equivalent that we don't know about that we want to sh- do a shout out to uh, for our students here? Yeah, yeah. I love that you brought this up, actually. I think if you look at my emails, I've like emailed people to be like, can we start a modern engineering group or club or society or whatever? And I think it's genuinely like there isn't enough of us to do that and to make it sustaining. I know someone tried to do a spies equivalent here a couple of years ago. Um, but it just didn't work. Um, and that's a whole plethora of factors of why that didn't mm. work. And I think it's, yeah, kind of, I wish I could give a shout out. And I wish that there, yeah, I wish that would be something that I would have um, been a part of here. I just hope as we start having these sort of conversations, there'd be more toy to Māori within engineering and enabling something like that to happen. So short answer, no, there's not. But I not hope yet. there will be in the future. Not yet. Not yeah. yet. Not yet. Yeah. Cool. Um, and so I, I always like to, well, I used to finish my quarter with people with, um, okay, so what's breaking your heart right now? What are the problems that we need to fix? But it got super dark super quickly. <laughs> and so I've stopped asking that question. I, I want to uh, turn it to be a bit more positive and say, what are the things that give you hope? You know, mm. you're moving to Wellington, so I'm hopeful for a puffer jacket or something, a windbreaker or something like that. <laughs> something but, like that. Um, but what are the things you're hopeful for for the future uh, mm. in the space you occupy, but also knowing the knowing what you've left here as well for the next generation for that young Elise that's starting in a couple of months time in engineering mm, mm. um makes me hopeful is conversations like this it makes me hopeful that people are recognizing that it's cool to be Māori um four or five years ago I ne- wouldn't even imagine something like this would happen mm. um not even for myself but people or spaces that I'm in um that it's recognizing the value of being Māori is really really showing um and it's really getting recognized um 
yeah, that makes me really hopeful that recognizing that being Maori is your superpower. Troy Brockbank loves to say that, so mm. I'll tack on to what he was saying. Um, but yeah, I think that's really powerful, and that there's people who are um, non Maori tauiwi are wanting to support and understand how they can totoko as well. And yeah, there's a space for everyone within this conversation as well, and that makes me really hopeful. So that is so awesome to hear, and it's been so awesome to to talk with you, Elise, and learn more about not only where you've come from, why you started this podcast, but also what you're hopeful for the future and hopefully for Māori, not just in engineering, but Māori in accounting, mm. maybe one year, Māori <laughs> in marketing one day as well, and that importance that we have to to reflect our obligations onto Tiriti as well as a, as a nation. So uh, I will close with Karakim and and then we'll say Harira. Um, so, Una here, Una here, Te Po, Te Po, Kewatia, Kewatia, I, Kewatia. Thank you so much for your time. Best of luck with your move to, to Wellington oh, and what the future holds. Thank you, Aikant.